Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencor Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, editor-in-chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and eeweb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Power Up. Today we will talk about the road ahead for e-mobility. Several activity sectors contribute to the emission of greenhouse gases, with energy generation the most significant. Transportation accounts for about 20% of greenhouse gas emissions, with road transport accounting for three-quarters of this share. Replacing fuel combustion vehicles with electric vehicles is one of the best alternatives in order to reduce CO2 emissions. Electric mobility is a crucial driver of the energy revolution, and it is predicted to boost demand for renewable energy-generated power. Today's biggest challenge is to recharge the battery in the shortest time. Powering high energy into the grid requires a rethink of how energy is distributed in the grid. Even with sufficient availability of electric vehicles, one of the major factors is the lack of charging points. In this talk with John De Souza, president and co-founder of Ampol, we will discuss the main challenges occurring in immobility and the next step. John has a background in electrical engineering and computer science. He founded Ampol with Khaled Assound. Let's talk with John. Hi John, thanks a lot for the opportunity to have you in this uh, podcast. How are you? Good, thank you for having me. So, before starting, we will talk about uh, electric vehicle, electric vehicles. So, the road ahead for immobility. But before that, uh, tell me, tell us more about you. Please introduce uh, yourself, your company. Uh, well, uh, I was born in Ethiopia, um, and then um, actually finished my high school in Dubai, and then came over to the U.S. to study. I did my uh, undergrad, grad at MIT. Uh, then did some research at IBM TJ Boston and then went into the startup world. I've uh, done uh, four different startups. Um, and then the current one I'm working on is in the space of uh, of battery swapping for electric vehicles. Yeah. And then you will tell us more about battery swapping. So electric uh, transportation is, uh, as you know, revolutionizing uh, mobility revolutionizing in a way that we have never seen before. So for every car uh, on the road to be electric, long, long, longer driving uh, range electric vehicle, electric vehicle should not only be the norm, but batteries should be more affordable and faster to charge. Maybe this will be more important. Infrastructure is also the next challenge we will have to, to face. So what are from uh, your point of view, what are the biggest priorities in uh, radically expanding electric vehicle charging infrastructure and related technologies about the powertrain and all of these to meeting or surpassing our targets? Well, there are a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things there. I'll probably start off with saying, first, I think 
is it just a, a misconception about electric vehicles. People keep on about range anxiety. And I, I don't believe people have range anxiety. I actually believe people have charging anxiety. Because when you buy a, a gas car, very few people know how far the car goes on a full tank of gas. And you don't have many range anxiety. And that's because when you run out of gas, you know you can get a full tank very easily. So you don't worry about it. The problem with an electric car, and I would actually proffer that, even if you had a battery that went 1,000 kilometers, if when the battery runs out and somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're going to spend the next 40 to 60 hours charging it, you have a tremendous amount of charging anxiety. <laughs> so the, the thing that uh, you need to solve is how do you make it easy? And the solution is not to say, you know, just to carry bigger batteries. That doesn't solve the problem. It makes the car less inefficient and actually makes the full solution less green. It, it actually goes against it. So I think that's one that we need to go through is, is to realize it's not range anxiety, it's charge anxiety. When you look at when you think about going to much larger adoption of electric vehicles, I think what people need to realize is that the, the, the comparison that people have for it is very good. And what I mean by that, it's gas. It works remarkably well. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a very simple, you don't think about it. And so when you think about buying a vehicle, you're comparing it to gas and you experience with gas. Uh, and so I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal that came out a couple of days ago where the the journalist, I think she was driving around uh, on this road trip, and she said she spent more time charging than she did sleeping. And I was thinking, just imagine if we move the full world over to electric and that's the experience. This could be the single biggest destroyer of uh, productivity, where everybody's scrambling to find charges and going through. So yeah. we need to find it. It needs to be as simple as convenient as gas, and I think that's the metric. Now, in terms of what we need, I think there are a couple of things. You, you alluded to batteries. We do need uh, batteries that that are cheaper, lighter, uh, can can do multiple things. But often we put a constraint on these batteries that is very tough. We want them to achieve. We want them to have higher capacity. We want them to to give you more cycles. We want them at the same time to be able to charge very quickly. And it's very hard to get all of them at a lower cost. So we need to sort of relax those constraints. Uh, and one that is very hard is, is a charging, how to go through and, and charge it very quickly. So you, if you re relax that, you can get the other as well. But you need to solve three things. You need to have batteries, and battery technology is moving very quickly. Uh, you need to have chargers. The problem with the charger is, uh, you know, when we started this company eight years ago, people said we'll have, uh, within a couple of years, have 350, 500 kilowatt chargers. Eight years later, we still don't have those. <laughs> so you need to have chargers that are very high speed to make it practical, probably about a one megawatt charger. You need them to be affordable and you need a grid that can support it. So those are all the things you need to try and solve to get this to work quickly if you want charging to be the solution. So one megawatt is a, is a big uh, challenge, I guess. So you can charge the battery, so um, a couple of minutes, few minutes in this case, but this is the goal because uh, as, as you said, the, so charge anxiety, I mean, and that means because we don't have a lot of DC fast charging. I mean, if we have a lot, I guess, so the people can uh, can be happy to to buy an, an electric vehicles now. And what's surprising is if you have a one megawatt and you bring a, a Tesla to it, it'll still take you five minutes to charge it. And it's at a one megawatt. But the problem also is with, um, um, I think, with, Charges or with electricity is it dissipate the amount of heat dissipates is proportional to the current that goes through it. 
So if you push a tremendous amount of current through a wire, it dissipates a lot of heat. Now, the charging companies talk about liquid-cooled chargers that are very cool and high efficiency, but all cooling does is they take energy and throws it in the air. So you have two big problems. Often, if you think of a, uh, an electric vehicle, a Tesla probably uses about a third of its energy to move its battery around because it's very... At the same time, if you fast charge it, you could be losing another third of the energy at the charger. So in the end, the amount of energy that actually gets translated from the grid to actually moving things around the car is less than 60%. It's about 40%, which is incredibly inefficient. So we need to solve that two things. One, fast charging is a bad idea to go through. It's going to be inefficient. But the second thing is you should only carry as much battery as you need. And remember, when you go to um, Africa, when I, a lot of people there don't fill the gas tanks to, to the top because you don't want to carry all that weight. So a lot of people will, will fill it to a third or something and say, I get more. We have a similar thing with batteries. If you're carrying uh, 600 kgs of battery, <laughs> that's not very efficient. If you could bring that down to 100 kgs, the car's a lot more efficient. So I think we need to, so you need to actually figure out how do you uh, dissipate less heat and lose it in the charges, uh, as well as transporting to power. But you also need to figure out how do you right size the battery so your car's more efficient. So some energy analysts have uh, expressed concerns about uh, the impact of increased electrification on the power grid, I mean, and uh, greater demand for, for power. What's, uh, what's your thought? It, they said like, the grids were never made to be able to, to, to uh, deliver uh, spikes of energy at random places on the grid. <laughs> that was not the design. And, and mobility brings... Uh, a really tough thing. Your car shows up suddenly on a, a part of the grid, you pull out a tremendous amount of power and then switch it off. At the same time, so you're taking demand and making it very unpredictable. At the same time, we're moving to renewable, where the wind blows sometimes and the sun shines. And we make it, so you're trying to take two things and make them very unpredictable, which is a tremendous stress on, on the grid. So how do we do it? We need to make add predictability to this. The only way you can build grid efficiency is, and so the way you do it is by bring in buffering. And so you're talking about people adding batteries. Now, there's one thing that battery swapping does that's unique is the buffering is built into the delivery system. You have you have batteries that are naturally buffering, so it makes it very compatible with uh, uh, with renewable energy. So we need to, you know, to solve the grid problem. We need to relax the constraints. And if you add buffering, you, you tremendously decrease the amount of peak power that you need, which makes the grids much easier. I talk about one other, people talk a lot about vehicle to grid, which is a, a tough thing, you know, to get your gas. Uh, when you're swapping, you have swapping station to grid. You, you have the batteries in there. It's already connected. So it gives you, it makes it very easy to provide grid services. Yeah. Indeed, Ampol's idea in, in practice is, uh, so would, would offer, is to offer, I mean, a very quickly charged battery for replacement, then provide a slow recharge by green energy while keeping the battery safe for use in, in other electric vehicles. So which are the, challenges in technology to guarantee a fast replacement, but don't think that uh, the customers are jealous after spending a lot in electric vehicle to, to change the battery that would be the major cost, I guess, of, uh, of a single car. And uh, what about modular electric vehicle platform that could have the potential allow for a completely integrated vehicle and allow vehicle manufacturer to, to achieve better production costs for sure, and improved specifications in terms of efficiency that is now 
the watch world, I guess. So this uh, technology could, could be also batteries working, I see well, applied for e-scooter, e-bike, where the battery will be smaller and the replacement easier. So do we need also a standardization for, for batteries? So uh, there are a few uh, ideas there. The, the first is, as you mentioned, our is essentially provide a gas station for electric vehicles. You drive in, spend a few minutes, we swap your batteries with new ones. You choose how much battery you want to move in, and you're gone. So the first question you ask is, uh, uh, was the challenge to be able to go through that? And when we started this, we looked at the history of battery swapping. Uh, there's actually a, a, a taxi fleet in the 40s that actually had uh, swappable vehicles in, in Spain. And the issue that battery swapping ran into at that time was that gas was very efficient, <laughs> essentially. So gas ended up there. When you think about going through solving, we need to meet the efficiency for gas. So what does it mean? To, you need to solve swapping stations that can work with different models of cars. You can't have a swapping station per, uh, per vehicle. And the second part is you can't ask the uh, car manufacturers to redesign all the cars. You'll never get that done. So those are the technologies, and that's the key part of what we end up uh, solving to get this to go through and, uh, in, and work there. The same question you asked was, what happens with people uh, who buy a new car with a brand new battery and they don't want to go through and swap it? Uh, so I, I think it's a, uh, in a way, you don't think about your gas tank when you go through and buy your car. And literally, that's exactly what your battery is. So what you do is you actually buy the car without the car, without the battery. You pay less for the car, about you know, a third less for the car because you, you don't pay for the battery. And then you just think about it as gas. Every time you go, you get uh, you know, the batteries put into it. Now, just also the, the concept, I think, because of the, way, the history of electric vehicles, people even think about that for a second. But the first time you go through one bad experience with the battery, you'll be ready to swap it. And I was talking to a person recently who spoke that he had gone to a concert with his electric vehicle on the way back. There's a lot of people charging, so he had to wait five hours uh, to to get to the charger. But his battery died 20 meters away from the charger, and he he couldn't he couldn't push it because the ba- the brakes went on. So he had to buy an extension cord, plug it into a wall for an hour to get enough charge so that he could get it to the charger. And as soon as you go through one of those experiences, you'll be so glad you could swap out that battery for one that you can charge in a few minutes. <laughs> Good. So. You mentioned also charging station infrastructure. What do you think about wireless charging? Because there are a lot of working on, I mean, research in this field. I think wireless, so I think the fundamental thing that wireless charging is, is the difficulty of putting your charger into the car. That's, that's fundamentally, if you think about wireless, it goes, look, there are reasons where that's painful, people can forget it, how do we mm-hmm. go? So that, that's the problem they're going to end solving. So to the extent that you believe you have a, a specific situation where charging works, wireless, uh, as long as you can work within the uh, within the uh, power of wireless, uh, can work for you. And I've seen examples, for example, with forklifts, because they spend time at different locations, you can put in wireless, they don't need to think about plugging in, it goes through, especially places in which some, some of that is automated. I've seen some bus networks as well, because they're waiting in certain locations we can go through. Uh, so I think there are locations, but it, it fundamentally has two disadvantages. It has all the disadvantages of charging. It's slightly also less efficient. With the added disadvantage, it still costs a lot to get it installed if you put it in the ground or different locations. And depending on how you do it, you may need the, uh, the car manufacturers to make modifications to work with you as well. But again, in specific locations like a forklift or something else, that could work fine where it's easy to go through and do it, and then it takes away all the hassles that you have from 
plugging it? Did you not plug in? What do you do? You go through and forget about doing it. So how how do you see the the market for electric vehicle um, currently, but also in the future when consumers consider electric vehicles for purchase today? What limitations do you think block people, hamper people from making making at this uh, purchase? How do you feel this limitation can be overcome so electric vehicles gain greater acceptance, not only in technology, as you, you mentioned, maybe also legislative activities too? So I'll say that from uh, electric vehicle right now, it works well in certain scenarios and Unfortunately, it works better if you tend to be more affluent on two different fronts. I need to mention legislative. For example, it is kind of uh, weird that you get a subsidy if you buy a new electric vehicle because the people who are buying new vehicles tend to be more affluent than the people who buy used vehicles. So we have uh, regulations in place that actually uh, go through and subsidize rich people buying vehicles. And if you check, a lot of it gets paid on a very expensive electric vehicles. So I think we need to go through and, uh, and change that. So right now, if you happen to have a garage, you don't drive that car that fast, it works really well. Or if you happen to have the luxury of having a second vehicle that's maybe gas, it works really well. But the only way we get to mass adoption is for the person who has one car and relies on that car for their livelihood. You need to work for that person. And right now, those people are not going to, to buy uh, electric vehicles. So I think we need to make it really simple and convenient for them to do it. Uh, it, it doesn't work. And I've heard a few people talking about almost, almost saying we should view driving gas like smoking, that we should actually put it. And that's not fair because I think if you, uh, you go through and punish a lot of people who can't, don't have the option and they don't have the time, they don't have the luxury to, to go through. So we need to make it very simple for them, get the right solutions in place. And then from a legislative perspective, we need to be helping them make the conversion. Now, one thing I'll just be careful is whenever we think about subsidies, subsidies only work if there's a path to get rid of the subsidy. So what's happening right now is people like the subsidies, but there was a, a study that was done is many people get the subsidy and then the next vehicle, if it's their only car, might go back to gas. That doesn't work. So we need a path to subsidies that get people to stay with electric and doesn't require a subsidy long term. And right now, uh, we don't have that in place. So I think that's the key thing. You can get rid of it if in the end it's as easy and hopefully cheaper, then you don't need the subsidies and, and you can have them fade away over time. Great. So, in conclusion, John, what's next from uh, Hempol? What's next? What's next news we can, uh, we can find in the next months? Uh, so, uh, there's a lot coming out. We're currently deployed in, uh, uh, in the Bay Area. So, we, if you... Uh, if you're going through and uh, in an Uber, you may maybe modify or swap all vehicles out there. Uh, we're going to be deploying in Europe uh, soon as well. So that's going to be uh, around the corner uh, as well. Uh, so it will be a lot more deployments. Our initial focus is with fleets. Uh, so we're going through and we're doing both the uh, car sharing, ride sharing, but also going all the way to class three, last mile delivery trucks as well. So hopefully over time you'll actually have your packages delivered by a swappable vehicle and, and start seeing it a lot more. And then eventually we will get uh, to consumers as well. Great. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure to, to have you in this uh, Power Up episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. He doesn't believe people have range anxiety. You will have charging anxiety, he said. We do need batteries that are cheaper, lighter, can do multiple things. 
According to John, with charges of electricity, the amount of heat dissipates is proportional to the current that goes through heat. So if you push a tremendous amount of current through a wire, it dissipates a lot of heat. Now the charging companies are talking about liquid-cooled charges that are very cool and high efficiency, but all cooling does is taking energy and put out in the air, according to John. For John, the only way you can build grids efficiently is by bringing in buffering and so you don't want people adding batteries. Now there is one thing that battery swapping does and is the buffering is built into the delivery system. So it makes it very compatible with renewable energy. And with buffering, you tremendously decrease the amount of peak power that you need, which makes the grids much easier, according to John. Innovation in technology and legislative activities will help the adoption of electric vehicles for a wide range of people. That brings us to the end of this episode. Stay tuned with more news and technical aspects about power electronics. If you are listening to this on the podcast page at etimes.com or powerelectronicsnews.com, links to articles on topics we have discussed are shown in this page. Power Up is brought to you by Aspencore Media, the host is Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio, and the producer is James Eid. Thank you everyone for listening. See you next episode. Stay tuned.